Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Heather Uncensored. Welcome everyone to Dr. Heather Uncensored. I'm so excited to have Dr. Stephanie Seneff here today. This is the third time. Uh, she's a senior research scientist at the MIT Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory. She received her BS in biophysics in 1968, the MS and EE degrees in electrical engineering in 1980, and the PhD degree in electrical engineering and computer science in 1985, all from MIT. Pretty impressive. For over three decades, her research interests have always been at the intersection of biology and computation. In recent years, Dr. Seneff has focused her research interests back towards biology. She's concentrating mainly on the relationship between nutrition and health. Since, since 2011, rather, she has published over two dozen papers in various medical and health-related journals on topics such as modern-day diseases, analysis and search of databases of drug side effects using LAP, sorry, NLP techniques, and the impact of nutritional deficiencies and environmental toxins on human health. Her latest book is Toxic Legacy, and I hope she'll tell us about her upcoming one on deuterium. <laughs> wow. Uh, her latest research study is about innate immune suppression by COVID vaccines with co-authors, naturopathic Dr. Craig Nye, Dr. Peter McCullough, and Anthea, Anthony Kriakopoulos. So welcome, Dr. Seneff. It's a pleasure to have Thank you. Thank you. So great to be here. Thank you for having me. So where do we start? I mean, there's so many <laughs> things that you're doing, and I love it's, all of them. It's really exciting. I feel I'm really uh, I'm I'm really having a time of my life. Actually, I have this great team now. The four of us you just mentioned those four authors, and we published that paper, and we're on fire. We're writing. Um, as many papers as we can write as fast as we can. Isn't that amazing? It's really great. It's, it's a great team. I'm really enjoying it. And um, and I'm learning so much. I keep on learning right. more biology, which is what I love best. So exactly. I love to learn biology. And, um, and I'm just super excited. I, I feel like we're starting to really make sense out of neurodegenerative disease in particular is what we've been right. focusing on lately. Yeah. And the whole issue of amyloidosis and misfolded proteins and all of that stuff. It's really... And where it's coming from. Exactly what's right. causing it. And yeah. um, the COVID vaccines are not helping. No, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, And I've come to the conclusion that, I mean, there's many things that cause stress and cause things to misfold. The proteins are very delicate. You know, they really um, can get, they need to fold the right way to work. Right. And, uh, and they can fold a really bad wrong way, which can cause a lot of trouble. And especially for the neurons, they're very sensitive to the, toxicity of the misfolded proteins you know and we have all these proteins that are linked to specific neurodegenerative diseases like amyloid beta people have heard of amyloid beta which is linked to alzheimer's they've been working really hard to find drugs and they've had a miserable time with it i mean the, the industry the medical um, pharmaceutical industry has spent a ton of money developing drugs that can help to clear the plaque you know the alzheimer's plaque and um, and they can even find drugs that do a good job of it, but then they don't actually help the disease. And that's what's really puzzling them. So they're so confused about oh. this disease because it looks like you remove the plaque, it makes the disease worse. You know, now they're really? starting to say, yeah, this increasingly. And I remember hearing, I've been studying Alzheimer's for a long time because I'm so fascinated with it. And um, And probably 10 years ago, I remember coming across a paper that was saying, you know, maybe it's not the plaque that's the problem. Maybe it's the what they call soluble oligomers. 
so the the protein you know it is interesting this amyloid beta um it, it forms these oligomers which is like multiple versions multiple instances of the protein stacked together in some kind of configuration that are soluble they're in the cytoplasm and then they precipitate out through another step into the plaque oh i see so and okay so, there's, so that's the, right yeah, it's, so that's it's the beginning step. to that's look like this well, it's beginning to look like the plaque's purpose is to remove the oligomers. And when you get the plaque to come back into solution, you bring the oligomers back. So you make the situation worse, you know? Oh, so interesting. Isn't that terrible? Oh, my <laughs> so gosh. All this work. And, you know, there's been a big scandal that's just come out recently. I don't know if you've come across I did that. hear a bit about it, yes. Yes, oh, this research team that basically doctored their, their, their um, figures, you know. I can't believe they would do that. It's just like... Uh, these people are so desperate, you know, and if you if you can make a strong claim about something and, and and people can be convinced you're right, and then there's money behind possibilities of developing drugs that might treat right. that, then all of a sudden your pockets are full of money, you know? Right, right, right. And so, you're a big star. You're a big star. So right, why right. not just cheat in order to get to that point? It wow. looks like certain people um think that's a good idea you know yeah. and i'm so famous and i'm and everyone loves me and they're all working so hard on the same problem but oh i know but they don't know that it's all a scam i mean is it really like that it's sort of hard to believe right it is so hard to believe are they going to prison i don't know what's going to happen right. but it's, um it's unfolding now and i guess it's not clear to what extent now it becomes a very big question as to whether anything in that paper that was a very seminal paper that directed a lot of research on Alzheimer's for many years. Um, was there anything in it that was worthwhile that people were following in order to try to, you know, solve the Alzheimer's problem? So Wow. And what, uh, what was this at a university or where? Yeah, was I think it was a university. I don't remember the details and I don't, I don't yeah, right. you, you could probably find it on the web if you search the right uh, terms, yeah. but it's, wow. Yeah, it's really something. Um, and that that is really what's happened so much in research that everybody keeps pushing their agenda. I mean, they may not be cheating, but they keep pushing the agenda without looking at things might have changed so you could change direction to see exactly what the truth is. Right. I mean, getting right? at the truth is really hard in the context of farmers' interest because it's taking you away from the truth, I feel. They exactly. get all excited about a certain model that's wrong, and then they try to, you know, work within that model, and they spend a ton of money developing drugs that um, make sense within that model, but that don't work. Right. And that's sort of just that's Crazy. all time spent away from the real solution, you know. So exactly, we're really having a hard time with Alzheimer's, and Alzheimer's is going up, you know, dramatically over time. Um, exactly in step with the rise in Alzheimer's, just like autism. The, two, the three curves coincide, the rise in autism, the rise in Alzheimer's, and the rise in glyphosate usage on core crops. All right. three. And other toxins too? No, mostly glyphosate. I mean, I mostly haven't glyphosate. found anything else that matches that well. No kidding. I mean, the wow. vaccines have gone up a lot, right? So they might match pretty well. Just the number of vaccines the kids are getting in terms of the autism, I think that's playing a role right. in the autism. Um, but the, I mean, I mean, even the adults are getting more vaccines these days too, right? With yeah. the shingles shot and the oh, terrible, and, and of then course the COVID shot, which I think is going to really drive up the autism rate. I mean, the Alzheimer's rates, also the autism rates, if we in inject it into enough of these kids. I mean, I yeah. just can't believe the government thinks it's fine. Six months old, get your COVID shot. You know exactly. I think that I saw today it was Denmark that has said no kids under eighteen can have them. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been yeah. hearing rumors from Europe that they're cutting back. And meanwhile, we're just full force ahead. Although I have heard 
I've been trying to find out what percentage of the mothers are actually rushing to the doctor to get their kids vaccinated. And I think it's quite small. Very small. I heard 3%, but I don't don't have a reliable, uh, a person told me that, so I don't have the reliable information to prove it. But it was hard. I couldn't find anything on the web when I looked right. as far as what percentage of parents are actually getting their kids vaccinated against COVID. I hope it's zero. I mean, it's so exactly. stupid. So anybody stupid. under even 18, but certainly under five, it's criminal. I think it is criminal. criminal. That's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And also what's really hard, like in Los Angeles, I look at say the Latinos who are not educated or blacks who aren't educated and the mothers want to do their best and they believe the public health officials. Oh, okay. Well, I better do that. Otherwise, right. it's a trip. And I just, you know, I don't know how to get to those people and say, I know, I know, it's really hard. Don't do it. (laughs) And I think welfare is often tied to um, requirement. They can't, they won't get the welfare if they don't get the vaccines. I don't think it's COVID yet, but if it's, it could head that way. Right, right. Well, just like going to school. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You've got to get the vaccine to go to school. So now you're forced to homeschool your kids. You know, exactly. (laughs) It's getting harder and harder to to, to make it in today's society without, by keeping, to keep your kids safe. It's just getting really, really hard. Really hard. Mm -hmm. And in California, I heard that, I don't know if it was a joke or not, but that U Haul, so many people are leaving California that they've run out of trucks. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> they took the trucks away. There's <laughs> yeah, too many trucks. <laughs> I can believe it. I have friends who are leaving the West Coast, you know. So Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's hard, though, because you just don't know what's going to happen in the next place you go to. I know. I know. It's hard to find the right place to live. I'm pretty happy here in Kauai, but it's not, uh, it's not a cheap option. Oh, you really option. like being there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really beautiful. The North Shore here is very low uh, population and uh, no highways, you know. It's oh, really that's great. Uh, oh, it must be beautiful. Lots of organic farms. It's pretty perfect, really. Right, right. Well, tell me about this latest, well, what do you want to talk about? The deuterium first? Yeah, it's hard to know where to start. I, yeah. I, I'm tempted to start with glyphosate and Alzheimer's only because I, I just found yesterday a paper that I read this morning that I'm really excited about um, that really, uh, to me, really links glyphosate to Alzheimer's. I first want to say that, you know, I spoke about, I wrote about glyphosate and Alzheimer's in my book, Toxic Legacy. I have the book here. Yes. I can hold it yeah. up. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's, we're not on, uh, we're audio. But it's, oh, okay. Yeah, well, it's I imagine that I'm holding it. <laughs> but yeah, she's holding the book up. It's a beautiful looking cover. Yeah. So toxic legacy, and um, and I wrote about Alzheimer's in the book. Um, uh, and of course, as I said, it's going up exactly in step in step with the rise in glyphosate usage. Um, the CDC just found eighty um, percent of the people they sampled had. Um, detectable levels of glyphosate in their urine. They, they finally did that study just ah, recently. Just recently. Um, I think just came out this month, um, 80%. That's pretty high. That had, uh, Scary. Know. And I'm sure yeah. a lot of people eat organic. Somehow I know. Into yeah, our- I mean, I eat organic and I and I tested positive for glyphosate in my urine. I was pretty pissed. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> I was living in Boston and I think I got it from the air because the, I think it's contaminating the air in the right. city. Right. And of course, in the agricultural fields, but also in the cities because of the biofuels. This is something yeah. I've been uh, involved with lately. The idea that the biofuels are causing exactly. the release of glyphosate from the, from the ethanol. You know, right, like, right. Yeah, I think we talked about that the last time. Um, just the fact that it sounds like a good idea, the biofuels, but because they're taking crops that have glyphosate on it and sprayed on it, then it's going into the air. But I also yeah. took heart when you said that chlorine 
can get Kill glyphosate. Rid of it. And I swim every day. Can I, yeah. Or right. any pool that was feeling <laughs> bad go. about it. But <laughs> now I feel good right. about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's fortunate that they use chlorine. Uh, in water treatment plants use chlorine, um, which, which kills the microbes, which is what they're worried about, but it also kills the glyphosate. So that's really, really that's good. A, that's amazing. That, yeah, that's so heartening to yeah, me. That's yeah, that's very reassuring. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so there's a new paper out on glyphosate um, and it's the best one I've seen. Like when I wrote about glyphosate in Alzheimer's, I was in my book, I was frustrated because I couldn't really find any papers that were specifically about, I could find papers that showed, you know, damage to neurons, glutamate, excitotoxicity, various problems definitely with the brain and glyphosate gets into the brain, all of that. But I didn't find any papers that specifically looked at Alzheimer's. And this new paper just came out and it's and it's a doozy because it shows um, first of all, the glyphosate gets past the brain barrier. It gets into the brain because lots of times you think the brain barrier keeps things out. But glyphosate gets in, causes an inflammatory response and causes both the upregulation of amyloid beta, which is wow. that toxic, and also the aggregation of amyloid beta into plaque. In other words, it causes the amyloid beta to misfold. There's uh-huh. an initial stage that's right. correct. There's a stage, those oligomers that are very dangerous. And then there's the plaques. The plaque is an evidence that you've got an oligomer problem, right? All right. And um, so that was very interesting. And I was really excited to see that paper. And then on top of that, this new paper that I just read this morning, which I was really, really excited about, because it's not about glyphosate. It's about glycine, the amino acid glycine. Right. Um, and in my book, I make a case for glyphosate. Uh, substituting for glycine during protein synthesis. We probably talked about that in our yes. previous. Yeah. Yes. Might have even put it in one of my books. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> From okay, that conversation. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Um, glyphosate substitutes for glycine during protein synthesis. I'm quite sure that's true. And I wrote in my book, I did a very careful, you know, evidence based analysis of why that I believe that it's quite strong evidence to support that glyphosate does that right. substitutes for glycine. So this paper that I read this morning is about glycine uh, being highly conserved in certain proteins in places where they don't understand why it's conserved because it's not at the active side. It doesn't look like it would, it doesn't even interfere with the activity of the protein. It doesn't cause it to not work in its job. It doesn't cause it to fold in the wrong way for it to make its catalytic action work. But it increases, they discovered in this paper, that it increases the propensity of that protein to misfold into those toxic oligomers, into that, you know, aggregating into these uh, amyloidogenic, you know, forms that are causing, that are associated with neurodegenerative disease. So the um, glycine, so the, the experiment involved like six or seven glycines in these uh, in this class of um, proteins called um, um, phosphatases, a, a group of proteins. All the phosphatases seem to have these highly, you look at phosphatases that are, that's an enzyme that takes a phosphate off of a molecule. Very important in biology. And, and I like the, if, you know, the, um, the plants, the animals, the bacteria, they all have these phosphatases. And all of these phosphatases are highly conserved in the respect of these particular glycines that are not associated with the active side. So it's like a mystery. Why are these, when when it's highly conserved, it means that that protein really cares that that be glycine and not something else. You know, it doesn't want to put another amino acid there. Right. So all of these proteins have all kinds of different stuff in them and they all do the job of phosphatase, taking off the phosphate. And they all have these glycines at these specific spots. 
So it's really interesting to say, well, why, you know, why is that? This is the question these people asked. And they did a really good job of answering it because they took all those glycines and they were scattered throughout the protein and they replaced them with other amino acids, mostly with alanine, which is the simplest change from glycine to alanine. It's just an extra methyl group. Uh But they also picked one of them. They found that some of the versions of the protein had other things besides glycine at that spot. And so they tried to put those other things into a version of the protein to see what would happen. They were basically trying to figure out, you know, why is the glycine so important? What happens when you put something else there? And they found that all but one of the glycines were happy to be replaced by alanine. And the enzyme still worked fine. It didn't cause it not to work. But what it did cause was that it it misfolded more easily. Uh It was more easily could get converted into this dangerous form that causes neurodegenerative disease. Interesting. If it's not glycine. And one of them in particular, they picked an amino acid that's negatively charged, bulkier and negatively charged. That one really perks me up because that's a good model for glyphosate. And they even said they thought that one, they thought if they substituted that one, it would not cause it to be more uh, able to misfold. They didn't expect it. They expected it to be less able, actually, given their knowledge of what causes things to misfold. And they were quite surprised to find that it was the opposite, that it actually was just as bad as the other substitutions as far as causing it to misfold. That that particular um, aspartate was the uh, amino acid, which I use as a model for glyphosate because it's negatively charged. It's bulkier than glycine. It has the kind of similar biophysical properties as glyphosate. So that tells me that if you put glyphosate in place of glycine, it will increase the propensity to misfold. And that's exactly what I argued in my book with respect to Alzheimer's and amyloid beta, because amyloid beta has this particular piece of the molecule that's been, they've seen that that's a central piece of the puzzle for the misfolding. And normally that forms an alpha helix and goes into the membrane. But if you replace the glycines in there with something else, it forms, it tends to form a beta sheet instead and go into the uh, cytoplasm. So there's this distinction between uh, amyloid, um, alpha helix and beta sheet. And it's well known that increased numbers of beta sheets is linked to misfolding. So wow. when it's when it's good, it's got alpha helices. When it's bad, it's got too many beta sheets. Interesting. And then wow. there's a, and then there's a paper I just reviewed this morning that I had talked about, I think in my book, but I'm certainly well aware of it, where um, it was an interesting paper where they looked at rabbits and they put glyphosate in the eyes of the rabbits. Mm. It's kind of gross. And then they analyzed, they did some kind of biophysical analysis of the amino acid, of the protein composition of the eyes. And they found that when they put the glyphosate in, a lot more beta sheets showed up. So the, in the whole protein complex in the eyes, uh, there were more amyloid, there were more alpha helices originally. And then when they put the glyphosate in, there were more beta sheets, which is exactly the same thing. It's causing it to misfold. Into these amyloidogenic toxic forms that are associated with Alzheimer's and, and Parkinson's and, and ALS and CJD, Christopher Jacob, all those diseases are associated with these misfolded proteins. Right. And they're all going up, you know, in, in our society. And it, does that decrease glutathione then? I well, glyphosate does mess up glutathione. Glutathione is, has a, a, gly- a glycine-containing yeah. amino acid, and I actually think glyphosate's getting into glutathione by mistake in place of glycine, and exactly. that's causing the glutathione to misbehave. Right. Because glyphosate actually upregulates in the liver an enzyme that breaks down glutathione. It's quite interesting. So it causes glutathione to get broken down, and I think that's because the glutathione 
is broken. It's got this glyphosate instead of glycine, so it doesn't work properly. Right. So that's what it, I was wants to take it apart and try again, hopefully getting glycine the next time around. So the glyphosate's right. going into the glutathione in place of glycine and messing it up. Yeah. And we have a huge problem with glutathione deficiency, and that's certainly a feature of autism. A lot of people are taking N-acetylcysteine, which is the uh, that's the uh, sulfur-containing amino acid that is uh, uh, critical for glutathione. Um, right. It's precursor. Yeah, you know, I had, well, I don't know if it was COVID. My husband had COVID, so I figured I, that's probably what I had. I didn't get tested. But um, as soon as I took glutathione, I was getting better. Yeah, I can believe I think it. that was I, one of the first things once you're sick to really do. Absolutely. Yeah, zinc, glutathione vitamin C, uh, get out in the sunlight, you know, yeah. which is, of course, vitamin D. I mean, it's yeah. really important to keep your vitamin D levels high. I think if you do all of that uh, in advance that you will yeah. not get sick with COVID, not particularly sick, you know. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to get sick. I think we got it from deer when we were away. Oh, my. <laughs> I've been hearing that the deer <laughs> I don't know it. where we got it. <laughs> it was either that or a rest yeah. stop. Yeah, I, I haven't had it yet and I'm waiting for it. You know, I'm like kind of nervous because all my neighbors are getting it. You know, all these triple quadruple vaccine neighbors are getting it. I know. I don't have any vaccines and I'm not getting it. So I don't yeah, know. me don't neither. No that. vaccines. I was waiting <laughs> to get it. I was like, well, who has it so I can get it? And then when yeah. I got it, I hadn't been around anybody. It was these so These people weird. are afraid to be around us because we're going to get give them COVID and then they're I all know. getting COVID so and we're not. So that's yeah, kind of yeah. fun. Oh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that research over the next year or two. I know. Yeah, the COVID stuff is so fascinating. And and of course, the vaccine itself, which has just really absorbed me lately. And and this team, as I mentioned, immune suppression. And your paper on innate uh, immunity. Can you speak on that for a moment? Uh, Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about that paper. And it seems to be uh, quite well received. I mean, there's a lot of chatter about it on the web. So. Wonderful. And, and of course, attempts to try to discredit it by the of people course. don't want people to know that these vaccines are toxic. But um, so the yeah. more that happens, the more you know that you're doing something right. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's really fascinating. And I think it's, you know, we were we basically it's a review paper and it's a research. I mean, it's basically connecting the dots kind of paper where you read all this research literature and you try to understand exactly what the significance of the findings are. Because people are doing a lot of studies with uh, with a spike protein and trying to figure out exactly what's going on with it. And one study in particular really caught our eyes because it was a study where they um, they showed that the they, they 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 grew these cells in culture. So it's like it's it's in vitro, and they had these cells that exposed them to the basically they got a shot, they got a, an RNA vaccine, right. and they took up the RNA, started making spike protein, and then they started spitting it out. They spit it out into exosomes. These are little lipid particles um that contain let's talk about exosomes because i think that's you know so fascinating yeah and it's critical i think it's really critical to the uh story behind the vaccines and that's and then it's a major part of that paper talks about the exosomes and the microRNAs that they contain and it's the microRNAs in the exosomes that cause the immune suppression so it's it's quite fascinating um the science behind what all takes place you know it's really complicated signaling processes going on go on in biology all the time but the cells that are taking up the vaccine are very um are very desperate they're sitting there making lots of spike protein spike protein is neurotoxic it misfolds it, it has this whole amyloidogenic potential it's basically right. a prion protein right. prion like they call it 
Um, the prion protein itself, of course, is the classic one that can spread disease through protein alone. It doesn't have to be an organism. It's just the protein itself will basically crystallize out other proteins and make them misbehave. And right. so the spike protein does the same thing. It causes other proteins to misfold more quickly, which, of course, works synergistically with glyphosate because glyphosate is also causing them to misfold more quickly because it's sticking itself in in place of the glycines. So the combination of glyphosate and the spike protein is really bad. I think it's synergistic. Right. Um, so the um, the cells that are exposed to the um, to the RNA are making all the spike protein. Then they're packaging it up. They have to get rid of it, so they're just shipping it out in, inside these little pellets, these little lipids. They're like messengers. You know, they can just these are like messages that are being delivered to the whole rest of the body. They go into the circulation, but they also travel very well. The exosomes are good at traveling along nerve fibers. And there's a really good nerve fiber connection between the spleen and the brain. And so the spleen is where there's lots of, of activity going on. It's the organ that had the highest levels of, um, of mRNA in, in studies, experimental studies where they traced, where does it go? You inject into the muscle, it ends up in um, in, in the lymph system, for sure. It goes into the lymph system, it gets into the lymph nodes, they get swollen. You get a lot of people with swollen under underarm lymph nodes, which is an indicator of breast cancer normally. Right. Uh, but then they make their way to the spleen. And the spleen is where a lot of the action takes place as far as the antibodies are concerned. So the, um, the industry is very happy to see that it goes to these germinal centers in the spleen. The immune cells carry that RNA into the immune, into the germinal centers in the spleen, and then they're going to teach the B cells and T cells how to make the antibodies that match that spike protein. That's the goal of the vaccine. It does a good job. It makes tremendous levels of of very specific uh, antibodies to the spike protein. Um, but that process in, it necessarily involves exosomes because other papers had shown that. Without the exosomes, the antibody production system is much less efficient. So the exosomes are helpful to, to, to teach the immune cells how to make the antibodies that they need to make. But the exosomes can travel along the nerve fibers. They go from the splenic nerve up to a center, which uh, then hooks up with the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is this enormous nerve that goes up to the brainstem. Right. Uh, I, I think it enters into the uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to say it. <laughs> I have this word in my head, <laughs> medulla oblongata. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> medulla oblongata. Yeah, that's where it enters into the brain. And that's a very important part of the brain that's going to get inflammation and whatnot when that stuff arrives. Because these, uh, these, these exosomes contain a very toxic product, which is the spike protein. Even the spike messenger RNA can be completely contained inside these exosomes. So it can deliver to the brain the capability to make spike protein, not just the spike protein itself, but the capability to make it through the messenger RNA that's delivered inside the exosomes. And they stick now in, in your brain. RNAs. Yeah, in your brain. So it's it's really, and, and we in the paper, we showed evidence from the vaccine adverse event reporting system, um, looking at counts of various symptoms that are connected to inflammation, various nerves in the brain, in the head, nerves in the head, you know, um, like the, the facial nerve, you get the Bell's palsy with the inflammation uh-huh. of the facial nerve. Right. You get uh, t- tinnitus ringing in the ears, you know, with the inflammation of the auditory nerve. You get problems with the eyes, you know, inflammation of the optic nerve. 
Um, you get my migraine headache, huge numbers of people get migraine, migraine headache, and that's the trigeminal nerve. Inflammation right. can cause migraine headache. So, and then you get difficulty swallowing, difficulty speaking, which is the vagus nerve itself. Uh-huh. Inflammation of the vagus right. nerve. And then you can get things like difficulty breathing, right? Shortness of breath, right. unconsciousness, lack of, you know, loss of consciousness, shortness of breath, heart arrhythmias, all of those things. Uh, can happen from inflammation in in nerve centers in in the brain that right. have been invaded by these exosomes containing this toxic load. Wow, you've made it so clear. It's really oh, scary, wow. and so there's just all these. We we found over two hundred thousand uh, cases of symptoms related to nerve damage in the in the head, and we reported on it in a table. And there were wow. over two hundred thousand cases associated with COVID just over the year twenty twenty one, not even wow. counting twenty twenty two. And um, and they were like ninety eight percent of all the cases for all the vaccines for that year were COVID cases. So it was a huge signal for inflammation in these nerve nerve centers, you know, in the brain, in association with um, the COVID vaccine. Who is going to go to prison? I know it's it's going to be really scary, and I think you know people. What I worry about is the long term because uh, these diseases, these amyloidogenic, you know, neurodegenerative diseases, have a very slow process of of uh, forming, and you can have many, many, you can be decades um, away from actually showing symptoms and uh-huh. still have evidence of misfolded proteins that are on their way towards giving you this disease. So it's a very slow process. Mm. At some point, it becomes bad enough that you start to get symptoms. But these vaccines are going to accelerate the rate at which you become become bad enough to get symptoms. So I think people are going to be getting all these hideous diseases much earlier in life. And more people are going to be getting than people who would never have gotten it before are now going to get it because of all these vaccines they're getting, especially when they start getting, you know, four or five boosters. I mean, it's just crazy. If people keep, keep, keep on taking these boosters, I don't know where we're going to be in 10 years. Yeah. And the public health officials will not say that that's where it's coming from. They'll say, oh, oh I know they're disease. very good at. Oh, we found a new disease. Let's name that. I one. know. It's so amazing, isn't it? And yeah. I'll tell you, the the, uh, the CJD is very striking. And my friend, uh, Luc Montagnier, unfortunately, he passed away a couple yeah. months ago. Um, he was on the case. I mean, he's a, a brilliant man and he's right. a virologist and he's a Nobel Prize winner and he's yeah. got all the credentials. And he was really coming out strong against these vaccines uh, before he died. And he was an author on a paper um, that's a preprint paper. I'm hoping they're going to still be able to get it published because it's wow. very important. And they got wow. uh, 26 cases. They found 26 cases of people who developed symptoms of CJD, Kurtzfeldt Jakob disease, which is a human mad, form of mad cow, you know, the right. disease in cows. Yes. 26 cases who developed the symptoms first in the one within the first month of their second vaccine. So it's very uh, clear pattern, you know, very specific time. And this is an extremely rare disease. One in a million people ever get it. It's a very rare disease. And this was 26 cases all uh, within a month of that second vaccine. Wow. And they're, they're all dead now. They're all dead. I mean, they just, it just takes you down fast. Right. Oh my gosh. What is going to yeah. happen over the next two, three years is. It's frightening. It's really, really frightening. frightening. And of course, I really worry about the kids. We've already yeah. got this autism situation. This year, it, it's rising even faster. It was already rising exponentially. I mean, it doesn't seem like it can get much worse. And and now we're going to pump them full of COVID um, shots. Uh, I mean, we're just really asking for trouble. I don't know how the government can possibly think this. they're doing the right thing here. 
I know there, it, it, the, the ignorance of the public health officials and it's just beyond the beyond really. Okay. Let's just dip into deuterium. Right. I, I always, you know, I'm so eager to talk about deuterium and I always get in trouble because there's no um, time, right? We always, uh, okay. Well, we no. will, we can we can touch on it. Let's do because yeah, yeah. I want to I want to start um, yeah. and I wanted to put it into my book, but I I was too late. I had already written the book and it was too long. And I said, oh, I got all these ideas about deuterium, and they, they basically nixed it. They said, no, no, let's just wait, we'll do another book because right. um, and they were probably right because it would have been kind of thrown in the last minute. And it would have been half baked, but um, but it's really exciting and it has to do with glyphosate, glyphosate and deuterium, and I think glyphosate is messing up the body's management of deuterium in a big way. Um, and that's um, maybe a large part of glyphosate's toxicity. I would say these two things, the amyloid, you know, misfolding and the deuterium. And of course, there's many other things too, because it goes into proteins with the, it can substitute for glycine and completely wreck a protein. There are some proteins for which they have very critical glycines, you know, and it'll cause them to not be able to work. And that's what's going on with the deuterium because uh, first of all, deuterium is heavy hydrogen. It's a natural element. It's found in nature, 155 parts per million of the hydrogen. So there's lots and lots and lots of hydrogen. It's the most common atom by far. It makes up, oh gosh, a huge percentage. I don't know if it's 90 something. A huge percentage of the of the um, of the atoms in your body are hydrogen atoms. Right. It's, it's just huge. And um, and hydrogen, of course, is critical for all kinds of reactions. There's all kinds of reactions that involve moving hydrogen around from one cell to an, from one uh, molecule to another and um and the the thing is that the mitochondria mitochondria make atp that's the energy source that's basically their their currency or their fuel you know the atp is the energy source for the cells it's made mostly in the mitochondria and um the machinery that makes the atp gets hurt hard by by deuterium it doesn't like deuterium oh it has all these hydrogen atoms that are pushing through this motor, you know, this, this motor that's the ATPA is a motor that's going to make the ATP. It relies on the motive force of the hydrogen atoms that are being pushed through it. And it, and if a deuterium atom gets in there, it's too big, it's bulky, it gets stuck. It basically kind of gums up like sugar gumming up the gas tank. It messes it up and it'll kill the ATPase pump. It'll kill it. It has to be basically be broken down and make another one. So it's a, so these enzymes have come about in biology that are able to make sure when they deliver hydrogen to the pumps, it's not deuterium. They have techniques that are really fascinating based on biophysics to make sure it's hydrogen and not deuterium that loads up those pumps in the mitochondria. And, and there's a particular class of enzymes called flavoproteins, flavoproteins. And that's like riboflavin, right? So riboflavin is a B vitamin that provides the flavin that is um, used by these flavoproteins to, well, they fold in a certain way such that they create a little channel that allows protons to uh, flow, uh, water molecules actually, to flow just a handful of water molecules, like let's say 12, inside a hydrophobic space. And they form a line and they basically can transfer protons among them to deliver a proton from one end to the other. So it yanks a proton off of a molecule on one side, and then it goes boom, boom, boom through those water molecules and lands a protein on the other side, a, pro, a, pro, a proton. <laughs> and, 
And a deuterium won't be able to make it through that pathway because, first of all, the holes are too small for the deuterium-based water to get into. The water molecules are almost guaranteed not to have deuterium. And even if they have it, it's not the thing they're going to pass along. They'll keep the deuterium to themselves. They'll pass along a proton. So even if it starts as a deuterium, it won't end up as a deuterium once it gets through that chain. So it's a really, really good way to assure that the proton that you stick onto the other side is not a deuteron. So deuterium actually is, um, it makes water gel better and it, and it tends to go inside gelled water. And okay. so the body uses that. The, most of the water in the body is gelled. And, um, and the and body that's a makes good thing, right? Yeah, the, the gel is important. And, it, in the, and, and this is um, uh, Gerald Pollack's work. I've read most of his books. Um, Gerald Pollack has done all this research on gelled water and um, and how it um, basically creates a battery. So he's argued right. that the gelled water is the source of energy for the cell. And, and I sort of extended that idea in looking at the mitochondria and where they go, and then the cytoskeleton. And, I've, and I did a TED talk actually several years ago, uh, a TEDx talk on, um, on this idea of the gelled water. And this was before I knew about deuterium, but the gelled water, um, it emits protons. It basically becomes negatively charged. It, it pushes ah. protons out and the protons gather at the interface between the gelled water and the fluid water. For example, in the blood, you have gelled water lining all the blood vessels and the fluid water, the blood flowing in the middle and the protons are being pushed out of the gel. And then the protons are being gathered into the cells, I believe, along ex, uh, the cytoskeletal wires. So the cytoskeleton wow. is all these wires that kind of keep the cell strong. They're, they're the, the building material of the cell to, you know, to hold it together. Right. But they're also able to, to uh, let protons can travel along those cytoskeletal lines. And the mitochondria actually hook themselves up to the cytoskeleton. And I think that they allow those protons to be poured in to the, uh, to the mitochondria to provide that proton motive force to make wow. the and right. so and those protons are not likely to be deuterons because the deuterons are trapped inside the gel uh-huh so it's a fantastic system for uh creating deuterium depleted protons you know so it, it stays in the gel so that it i mean it makes it gelled it makes the gel strong and it stays in the gel but it and stays then the in protons there get uh, pushed out so if you have a lot of gel lining your blood vessels your blood has less deuterium and if your blood has less deuterium, then it's going to be healthier for the mitochondria because that's right. where it's applying that those protons. And so that's a natural part of the system. So there's two parts, at least two parts of the system that keep the mitochondria healthy. And one part is working with deuterium to help trap the deuterium in the water, right. in the gel. So making the gelled water is important to trap the deuterium. And then, and then those other fancy enzymes that are able to make sure that when the reaction takes place, you 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 get a uh, a molecule that can carry a healthy hydrogen and deliver it, hand deliver it to the mitochondria, and that's that. And basically, that's NADH, NADPH. Ah. That's a very very useful molecule for carrying um, hydrogen around. Right. That's not deuterium because the enzymes that that put that H there are mostly those special enzymes that know how to keep away the deuterium. So there's, there's two things going on. One is that the deuterium is being trapped in the gel. And the other one is that the deuterium that's being in the reactions is not being allowed to do the reaction 
the deuterium won't do the reaction. Right. And so in fact, you know, like there's an enzyme that's really, really good at choosing hydrogen over deuterium. It's called lipoxygenase. Oh, yeah. It oxidizes fats and turns right. them into nasty things. Right. And um, the pharmaceutical industry, <laughs> in their great wisdom, have been playing around with the idea of feeding people versions of those fats that are high in deuterium. Deuterium loaded fats. And the reason is because that enzyme won't touch it if it's deuterium. So the reaction doesn't take place. You don't produce this reactive molecule. And yay, yay, that's great. But the problem is that the reason why you're producing that reactive oxygen molecule is because you're in trouble with deuterium and you need to fix the mitochondria. So it prevents you from being able to fix the mitochondria is basically what it does. But their logic is it's going to stop the inflammation, which is true because it does cause an inflammatory response. Right. And that's because the inflammation is also needed to fix the mitochondria. So all of that's needed to fix the mitochondria. We have an epidemic in inflammation. That's right. Um, caused by a lot about, sorry, we, I, we learned a lot about lipoid. I can't even say it anymore. Lipoxygenase. Yeah, it might be yeah. called lipoxygenase. I never quite know how to pronounce yeah, we, we, it. That was like because inflammation was such a big deal at naturopathic medical school. You know, we were all, yeah. like, how do we stop this inflammation? So we learned a lot about that, even if I right. can't. Right. And that's also interesting because those fat molecules can be um, sent in another direction using uh, these enzymes that are flavoproteins. They can turn those fat molecules into something very useful, actually, an endocannabinoid. A, uh-huh. a natural cannabinoid right. is made by an enzyme that's a, one of those uh, flavoproteins that's getting wrecked by glyphosate. So that pathway gets blocked by glyphosate, which is why you have to do the other pathway, um, which has a fantastic, this, this lipoxygenase has a fantastic ability to select um, hydrogen over deuterium, but it's not a flavoprotein. So it's not susceptible to glyphosate. Oh. So it's the one that can work, but it's not, it's the second tier. It's not what the body wants to use. It only uses it in emergency, but the emergency oh. is caused by the glyphosate because it's disrupting the other enzyme. Oh, so, so that's the connection between those it's two. It's really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And you need the information because of the fact that those flavoproteins aren't working, basically. You need, you need the information to be able to make uh, the deuterium-depleted protons that you need in order to keep the... Um, not to make them, but to deliver them to the right, right place to keep stimulate them that activity. Healthy. Yeah, yeah. The information is needed for that, and um, and that's also an interesting part of the biophysics. But I will won't <laughs> leave out the details. <laughs> really, so you know, information is all over the place, right? People have uh, associated with all these different diseases that the neuroinflammation, you know, with the neurological diseases and the, the joints, you know, with the, the gout, I mean, all of those in, inflammatory gut, I mean, all this inflammation everywhere, right. uh, damaging the liver, damaging the uh, the kidneys, all the stuff. Um, and, and the shoulder pain is inflammation. Everything's inflammation, the heart disease, yeah. everything's inflammation. And the inflammation is an indicator of a deuterium problem, I think. I, oh, okay. And yet inflammation started out or it starts out with the clean body as just a way to tell you that something needs some work and needs some help right that's but right now it's almost like right now in 2022 we've loaded the body up with so much crap yes that <clears throat> it's you know we really need to i mean i think the most important thing is just to clean the this whole environment 
I mean, right. We need to ban glyphosate so worldwide. Yeah, <laughs> That's the first yeah. thing we need to do. I think we would even help with the climate change if we did that because glyphosate's messing up the plant's ability to take the carbon out of the air and right. turn it into organic matter. So that's right there. That's going to be right. climate change. Yeah. You are so fascinating. You have so much information. I just love talking to you. <laughs> Great. Yeah, that's uh, that was a marathon. We covered a lot of topics. But yeah, that was a lot. Well. Yeah. I think it was the uh, innate immune suppression. I didn't quite get the story complete there with that paper because it's those uh, microRNAs that are inside those exosomes that are little messengers that actually change the behavior of the recipient cell, the cell that takes up the exosome and gets those microRNAs. They're put in there along with the spike protein. And those are the things that suppress type one interferon, which interferes with your ability to fight off disease, both infectious disease and cancer. Right. So that's really nasty because it basically causes you to be more susceptible to, to those diseases as a consequence of the vaccination. Yeah. Yeah. So to everyone who has not gotten their booster, but got the vaccines, just stop, just stop. Just stop. <laughs> and thank you to all the people who, who were strong enough not to get it. <laughs> yes. Because yes. we really need to have a strong humanity and we need to be healthy for that. Well said. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. That was fun. We'll have to do this again. We'll keep seeing what all this new, you know, the research is leading towards. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. I'm having a good time working with these people. And it's really been both the COVID vaccine and the glyphosate have been a wonderful uh, mechanism to help me learn about biology, which is kind of a backhanded yeah. way of saying thank you to something that's destroying our health. But uh, yeah. Well, it's great. Hopefully. You're studying it. It's wonderful. Maybe sometime somebody will listen to you. I hope so. Including yeah. SAG after the uh, you know Screen Actors Guild that continues to force actors to be vaccinated. I know. It's so crazy. Oh, I mean, yeah. and all the people, you know, I mean, it's just everything. And I, again, you know, with Dr. Simone Gould being in prison. and I know. Um, That's just amazing. Amara Leach in Canada finally released. But there's a lot of people that just understand what's going on and are speaking up, but there needs to be a lot more. And um, and getting this kind of information really builds a strong foundation. So I thank you so much. People need to be less afraid. I think they need to speak up. Uh, yes, exactly. Forget yeah. about the fear and just go ahead and speak up anyway. And hope, up. hope yeah. that the consequences won't destroy you. But, I know. Yeah. yeah. For our children. I mean, even. Oh, just, I know. I mean, it's, it's so just, sad. So what are we, I mean, really, what have we done to our children? We can go on and on. That's what really breaks my heart. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Great. So and that's our note. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Isn't she lovely? I just want to also, before we end, put a plug in for my upcoming book, Transforming Trauma, A Drugless and Creative Path to Healing PTS and ACE. A shout out to my very wonderful publisher, Hammersmith Books, with Georgina Bentliff at the helm. So excited to share it with everyone. It's unique and it really has the potential to change how mental and emotional health is treated. It'll be in as many bookstores as we can get it into. Okay, have a great week.